Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to Converse from the Couch by Life Stands Health. I'm Nikki Lanza, and I'm thrilled to talk to Angel Kramer today about New Year's resolutions. Angel, it's great to have you on again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. And did you know that the tradition of making New Year's resolutions goes back over 4,000 years to the ancient Babylonians? You know, I believe that. Yeah. Because the new year is just such a natural starting point for goal setting and making positive changes that it makes sense that even 4,000 years ago, people were like, this is a good time to do that. Right. I agree. Which I think is a good time to jump in to like, why is it important, do you think, for people to make goals or New Year's resolutions? Yeah. So going back 4,000 years, it just seems to be a natural thing for many of us to do. The new year, like I said, is a natural starting point for something. Kind of like how when we try to start something new, we almost always want to start on a Monday. True. It's just a natural starting point. And that new year, gives us an opportunity for self-reflection and to look back on things that maybe didn't bring us as much joy or satisfaction or on the other end of the spectrum, maybe we're a little too hard on ourselves about. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. So we can start to self-actualize and set goals to reach that ideal version of ourselves. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And so I love the fact that you said that best version of ourselves, because I think that's our intent when we're starting off the new year of like, I want to be better as a person. I want to do this, or this will be the thing that makes me happier. But we also know it's hard to stick to these resolutions. And so they're looking at, you know, why do you think it's so hard for us to stick to these resolutions of just wanting to be a better person even? Right. You know, when we put it out there, it seems and sounds like it would be such an easy task. You know, X, Y, and Z is going to get me to this person I want to be. Let's do it. But sometimes that let's do it means we're starting out overzealous, we're overcommitting, and we are just jumping headfirst into the deep end of the pool. And it is hard to maintain. Yeah. The momentum of it, right? We're all excited yeah. about it, jumping, jumping into that deep end. And then right. That motivation, that energy, that commitment. It's hard to keep up with that. And that makes it a little easier for us to kind of start to cut back. You know, on average, most people have stopped working towards their New Year's resolution somewhere between the third week in January and like the second week of February. Is it that soon? It's that soon for most people because we set these lofty goals. You know, I am only going to drink water this year. I am going to lose 60 pounds. I am going to go to the gym every day before work for an hour. That's a lot to take on. It really is. Especially if you're not a water drinker. (laughs) Especially if there are other compounding issues regarding the body that you're in. Hmm. Or if you're not a morning person. True. Yeah. So having all those factors are kind of working against us. Yeah. Yeah. I thought exactly it's already working against you. So that's going to definitely decrease the chance for you to keep it going. It's already working against you. So. Mm-hmm. so then we have to work on keeping our motivation up. We have to work on 
how do we get to the maintenance stage of change? So tell me more about that. So how do we get to that stage of change? I think part of that is making sure that we're setting goals that are attainable. Making sure we're setting goals that we can reach that are doable. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't be challenging ourselves. But our goals might need to be gentle goals rather than those over-the-top sweeping changes. And a gentle goal might be adding something to your routine rather than taking it away. Okay. If we want to eat healthier this year, maybe let's add an extra vegetable to our dinner rather than taking out all sweets across the board. Good, good point. That's often what people will do. Like, I'm not going to eat any sugar. And so what you're recommending is like, well, hold on, you know, it's kind of meeting more in the middle of like, let's add something more. Let's add to it something healthy. I like that. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Yeah. And that makes it a little easier for us to maintain long-term. And the more healthier decisions we make, the more likely we are to make that next healthy decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having gentle goals kind of takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off of reaching this goal that's way up here and maybe being okay with just meeting the goal right here in the middle. And that helps us get to maintenance a little bit easier. No, all um, these suggestions, I like that idea of the gentle goal, right? I think, again, people get this mindset of I have to do this and I should be able to do this. And it's that hard goal. And then they do lose the motivation. And then they can even maybe startle themselves down where they're just their inner critic is really coming out and they're beating some, themselves up. So having that gentle goal is, I think, really the key. And especially, like you said, for motivation, for sure. Yeah. Some suggestions for New Year's resolutions, like if someone's trying to lose weight, what that would look like or for something else? Yeah. So from my perspective, it tends to be easier if we set goals that are in line with our values. Mm -hmm. Because then we can set goals that show our value a little bit more. And it's not a goal that is demeaning or diminishing or asking us to take up less space. Mm-hmm. It is, if you value family, maybe that goal is to leave work by five, three days of five of the week. Okay. Because then you're more likely to be like, you know what? I'm leaving work to be with my family. And that's important to me. And what I also hear you saying with that is you're you're putting that out there three out of the five days. It's you're showing your value that it's important. I think the next step to that too is maybe even at work and setting the boundary that enables you to do that as well. Exactly. And then there are set steps that we have to take to reach that goal. And we're doing it for a reason that is important to us. Mm-hmm. Another part of it is making sure that we have that social support in place. Making change as part of a community can be so much easier than doing it on our own. I don't think we look at it that way. I think that's a good point. We just take it on. This is my thing to do and bear. But to open it up to the support, that's a really great idea, too. Absolutely. Because that helps not only help us keep ourselves more accountable, Mm -hmm. because now we've told someone about it. Right. Right. So we feel a little bit more beholden to keep up with it. But also they're there to be kind of cheerleaders and help us through rough patches and 
maybe help us out when we're shooting ourselves a little too much. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. And they can kind of help us be a little nicer in this process to ourselves because we can be mean to ourselves. And self-compassion is so key. And people, I don't think, recognize that. I always say to my own clients, if you wouldn't say it to your friend or even your pet, you know, don't say it to yourself. So I think that self-compassion is so key there, especially yeah. with resolutions or goals and things. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we had talked about after our, our uh, holiday stress episode, which you gave such amazing tips and tricks for that. Um, after that, we had a conversation about accumul- accumulating joy. And you had me so intrigued by what that was. And so I I definitely think this is a topic, as you were sharing with me, that flows in very well to this New Year's resolution topic here. And so can you tell me more about accumulating joy? Absolutely. And I agree. I think it ties in very well to a New Year's resolution. You know, that can be part of a gentle goal that we set for ourselves. It can help us change our routine and our patterns. But accumulating joy comes from a DBT concept of accumulating positive emotions or building positive emotions. Only the joy part of it takes it a slightly different direction. When I use this concept with my clients, many of them are seeking happiness. They want to be happy. Which is such a broad term. That's just so broad. broad. And it can feel so unattainable and so unmaintainable. Because life is about balance, and that is balance in our emotions as well. We're going to have sad days. We're going to have sad times. We're going to have days where we feel angry or things are going to trigger us to be angry. And those kind of emotions are going to come up. So the idea of just getting rid of them is kind of unattainable. So accumulating joy is more about creating moments and building moments of satisfaction or even simply okayness and being able to recognize that we are okay. I like, I'm going to definitely jump on that term, just being okay. Cause again, people are striving for happiness and of that Zen place all the time. Sometimes it is just about just, I'm okay. I'm okay right now in this moment. I'm loving that you're emphasizing that. Yeah. And sometimes we find happiness in moments, not an overarching, I am happy all the time, positive psychology all the time. Right, right. It is right now, I'm really enjoying what's happening. And it is okay to enjoy this when I have these hundred other reasons behind me to be worried or to be angry, or frustrated, or irritable, I can still enjoy and have joy in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that can look different for a lot of people. Yeah. What brings me joy and helps me accumulate joy might look vastly different from what helps you accumulate joy. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I shared with you after our last episode was what brings me joy is, is playing music. I feel like I play many instruments, but none of them very well. But I did share how 
uh, in my home, we celebrate Christmas. So for me, just playing the piano or playing my trumpet or playing, you name it, I have a lap harp, I can keep going with my instruments. But that, those are the moments that do bring me joy. And so I, I think it is very important for people to recognize what is it about them that brings them joy. And, and may I ask that of you, what, what are some things that bring you joy? Yeah. So first, I'm going to spin it back to you for a second. Yeah. Because part of that accumulating joy is allowing yourself to enjoy what's happening without that addendum of, but I don't do it well. Yeah, that's a good point. That, and you're right to call me on that because that would be something I would call my own clients on too. So that's a good point. And for so many of us, that's a natural progression in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And part of accumulating joy is letting go of that. Yeah, very true. To take it back to your question of me, yeah, I accumulate joy in several ways. The first one that comes to mind is things that are creative. I'm naturally a creative person. So giving myself that space and a little bit of time every day to do something that's creative whether it's a doodle in my sketchbook, whether it's getting on Pinterest and finding a new idea for something to make, or even spreading my creativity to cooking. I wonder what these ingredients would taste like together. Let's try it. So if it turns out well, or if it doesn't, there's no judgment. You're like, I tried it. I tried it. Trying. Mm. Absolutely. And those moments of accumulating joy It can be as simple as giving yourself time and space to drink your cup of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. It could be stepping out on your front porch and just getting a couple minutes outside of fresh air. Taking your dog for a walk. It could be gardening. It could be taking up a new hobby. Mm -hmm. You know, learning something and allowing yourself to learn it without judgment. Yeah. Without being too hard on yourself in the learning process. Mm -hmm. It can go a long way. That it can, again, emphasizing that self-compassion. And we saw yeah. me here, like, I play instruments, but not very well. Like, there I am doing it to myself. So I, I think another part with that is that we do it even unconsciously. That mm-hmm. So I think navigating it of, like, I'm not going to judge myself. I'm just going to do this. And if I just want to, if I just feel like dancing right now, because I'm at Walmart and I like the song that's on, I'm just going to dance. Yeah, give yourself that little space to wiggle a little bit without judgment. Right, without judgment, for sure. And that's part of just progress and practice as well. Being mindful of what brings us joy, but also being unmindful, meaning letting go of that negative self-talk, of that inner critic, or letting go of all of that worry or irritation Mm -hmm. that is blocking us from experiencing joy in that moment. Unmindful. So I like that your point, I don't know if you're coining that term, if that's coming from you or if you've heard that, but I love that. I think we, I think we joked our last episode about the, that term mindfulness, but being unmindful, what a different shift. Can you tell that again, what that means? Being unmindful. Yeah. Can you do that? So we hear about mindfulness all of the time. It seems to be that buzzword. We joked about it in the last yeah. episode. But the opposite of that, because balance is all around us, is Mm -hmm. being unmindful. And exactly as it entails, it is practicing letting go of letting go of some of that awareness of the things that create discomfort for us. Letting go of that worry, letting go of that frustration. 
And sometimes that might mean checking in and be like, what's this going to mean to me in five minutes? What's this going to mean to me tomorrow? Mm-hmm. If the answer is nada, we can be unmindful of it. Otherwise, it is just going to keep cluttering our brain and we are going to practice mindfulness towards the wrong things. And then it becomes maladaptive. Yeah, yeah. excellent point for sure. As we wind down our time together and you shared so many great ideas here of user resolutions and just accumulating joy, just a few other just takeaways that you would recommend for our listeners? I think some of the highlights and the takeaways would be making sure we're checking in with ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. is this goal attainable for us? Mm-hmm. Is this measurable? Do we know when we've achieved it? Mm-hmm. And challenging that inner critic a little bit, yeah. letting go of that should or, well, I do this, but I'm not very good at it. Or, you know, society is telling me I need to do this. And doing it for our values and for our self-actualization can help set up that framework and foundation to be a little bit more successful in our New Year's resolutions. I agree. Oh my gosh. Thank you again, Angel, for sharing your knowledge on this topic. And of course, I wish you a happy new year and your family as well. Thank you. Take care. 